There it is. I'm Charles Holmes from The Ringer Music Show. And I'm Cole Kushner from Dissect. And Charles and I are teaming up to create Last Song Standing, a new show where we determine an artist's single best song by debating our way through their entire catalog. And for our first season, we're covering Kendrick Lamar. We're talking Good Kid to Pimple Butterfly, Damn, Mr. Morale, the mixtapes, the Lucy's, and the features. Listen to Last Song Standing on the Dissect podcast feed only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan and I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, the podcaster with the show with headphones on, it's Andy Greenwald! That was good. That was a good I tried. one. It should have been, Mar- it was, it was, we're going to talk a little bit about Marcel the Shell with shoes on today, but mm-hmm. it was, should have been the podcaster with shoes on. I don't know. I'm, it's It's been a long day, Andy. It's great to see you. It's Thursday. Today's a special one. Why don't you tell people what you've got next? We're going to be chatting about some stuff. And then the back half of the episode is an interview I got to do with one of my filmmaking heroes, quite honestly, the French filmmaker Olivier Assayas, who has just completed his first work. Well, no, I guess Carlos was technically a TV show. It's sort of hard to tell. Technically? He, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't a, know. It's a film. It's a TV show. But he, his first HBO series, which is a reworking, reimagining of his phenomenal 1996 film, Irma Vep. He reimagined it as a more as a contemporary story, eight-part miniseries um, starring Alicia Vikander. Um, Dude, wait, know- you're just fucking, you had so much mustard on the pronunciations today. This is great stuff. I, you Say know, Vikander. I, do you know how, like, you make me feel like I, like, honestly didn't finish high school the way you just said Olivia Aseas and Alicia Vikander. I nod to the continent in everything that I do. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I, I, I bring a kind of an old world energy to this podcast, but you're the vibrant, bustling American metropolis. And that's why this is a, a successful show. <laughs> that's you know right. what I mean? I'm like, I'm like the cobblestone boulevards and yeah. you are the hot asphalt in summertime. You're Henry James on Mark Twain. That's where we are, right? By saying that as the analogy, you just made yourself Henry James also. You know what I mean? <laughs> you should have been like, you are, I mean, I don't know. You, who wrote the Canterbury Tales again? And you are Elmore Leonard. I feel like that's a more uh, specific. Look, the point is, uh, got to talk to Olivier about Irma Vep. I know some listeners out there have been watching the show. I, I'll talk more as we get closer to it, but he is just a phenomenal intellect and thinker about film and TV. And um, yes, guys, the interview is in English. Um, not that I could have done it in French, but I just want to be very clear. Um, and Do you find yourself slipping into like accidentally using a French accent when you talk to French guys? I don't understand what, I don't, I, I reject the word accidentally. 
it's purposeful. <laughs> but you know what no, I mean? Yeah. yeah. No culture welcomes the appropriation of their language by outsiders more than the French. I feel like it, that that when I casually talk about mm-hmm. the Phillies, which is pretty a pretty rare occurrence. Sometimes right. I, I say I find myself saying like Castellanos. You know what I mean? Like kind of how? Oh, yeah. No, that that's natural. Yeah. Right. No, this is, I I I don't. No, I couldn't. I couldn't do it with this guy. But but I think that I recommend people check out Irma Vap or check out part of it. But I do think the conversation is interesting because he has such a. Uh, warm and inclusive and ultimately positive view of just the collaborative act of filmmaking that I found it really um, inspiring. So we'll get to that at the end, but we got some business first. Is he psyched about Daredevil coming back to TV? He wasn't until I told him it was an 18-part movie. (laughs) And then he was like, oh, mon dieu. You know, he got real excited. Andy, this is... uh, So just quick programming notes. Uh, We will be doing our usual Saul recap. That will go live Monday after the episode airs. Also wanted to just shout out next week, we get uh, industry back, which you and I are frothing at the mouth for. And I'm sure we will have Mickey and Conrad back on uh, really soon to talk about that. We also will probably be talking about uh, Reservation Dogs Season 2, which I think premieres next Wednesday, which I'm very excited about. can't believe that. Yeah, really excited. It's unbelievable. Um, Today... By by the way, Chris, just side note, I did ask Olivier Assayas, line of French cinema about Thor, Love and Thunder. Did you? I did. And what did. did you say? Well, I don't want to spoil I, it. I, I won't spoil it. But like in Irma Vep, one of the characters has just filmed essentially a Thor movie, although it has a different name in which um, her character has uh, castrated Thor. Oh. And they're like, this is actually great for the sequel because Thor can come back as, um, can be rebooted as a transgender god. So you'll love the interview. Let's okay. move on. I can't wait. I, I'm going to cancel my night plans to, to, to listen to this, honestly. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just fucking around. You know I love you. <laughs> no, no. You do that and I'll listen to your drug church interview. It'll be perfect. <laughs> um, all right, Andy, I have, a, I have a, a hot topic for you today. Okay, okay. I know that you've been very, like, much, much less online this week. So I don't assume that you know yes. about this story. So I have to paint you a, a word picture here. So... One of the like sort of minor controversies on TV Twitter this week mm. is the accusations okay. that the Duffer brothers, the creators of the Stranger Things television show, mm-hmm. who have admitted in the past that they like sometimes do something which I think they called Lucasing, George Lucasing, where they go back and maybe fix some VFX on the mm-hmm. previous seasons of the show. And that essentially there was like a, a storm in a teacup this week because earlier in the month, a TikTok user said that they had discovered some discrepancies between their DVD copy of of Stranger Things season season one, which I didn't even know that existed, and what you can see on Netflix, which is essentially there's a moment in the first season without spoiling anything where a character named Jonathan, who's like sort of an amateur photographer, has been sort of following the Nancy character and her friends, and he's taking pictures kind of like more voyeur, not voyeuristically like in a sort of pervy way but just sort of like capturing life as it happens and then it's obvious that Nancy's about to have like an intimate moment with this guy Steve and he stops taking the pictures now according to this TikTok user who I don't even you know whatever they were like this was re-edited to make him seem less creepy and the Stranger Things writers room which has its own Twitter account Mm -hmm. put out like a statement that was just like just so you know we have not and never will make edits on on this show. You know, like, we're not going to go back and, like, change the show. 
Uh, I think I could actually get the actual quote, which might be helpful here. It is, PSA, no scenes from previous seasons have ever been cut or re-edited, and they never will be. Hmm. In the intervening time, also, like, any blog posts, like, there's been a couple of, like, articles about this whole thing where people are like, are the Duffers re-editing Stranger Things to make it seem less pervy? And, in fact, like, it's what happens when you aggregate three three steps away from the actual moment is, mm-hmm. like, no, they're not, and now they've had to retract those articles. I tell you all this just to ask you a question. Would you mm-hmm. ever do something like this with your show? It's a great question, and it's an interesting one, and I can't... I'll say two things. One, every single person who has ever made... I mean, this is true of anyone who's ever made anything, but particularly anyone who has ever made an episode of television, let alone a season, certainly people who have done much more accomplished works than I ever did, um, would love another bite at the apple. Yeah. Whether it's an entire uh, episode you wish you could reshoot with a different director or just some editing tweaks, you know, that yeah. you wish you could make or, you know, make something a little more clear. Maybe you could have ADR'd one line that would have, at least for your frazzled nerves, um, offered some soothing. Which to your point, like, the Duffers actually have said, like, we can fix, there's a moment in the most recent season where mm-hmm. it's the, the show is, the episode is set on the character Will's birthday in terms of like what day it's set on, but they never acknowledge that it's his birthday. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of super fans were like, oh, yeah, it's, this is supposed to be Will's birthday. And they were like, we fucked up. So we yeah. can actually go back and have Winona Ryder ADR a different birthday for this character rather than have it just seem like a discrepancy. So, but that impulse is never going away. But the, my, the answer I want to give speaks more to the way that I understand the differences between TV and movies and also, frankly, the appeal Mm-hmm. between TV and movies. Because the thing that I love about TV on two levels, both as a, a viewer and as a someone who works on it, um, is the imperfect nature of it. Is the magazine deadline, we're going to do our absolute best, it's never going to be perfect, and then we'll get to do it again. And so I kind of like that aspect of TV that you can, like warts and all, that there are decisions that clearly got retconned or, you know, uh, framings or editing choices that affected, that, that didn't jibe with how the show was meant to be perceived or changes things later. I also think there's a case to be made that creators are not necessarily the right judge in the moment of yeah. what's best. And the reason I bring that up is, um, I'm sure some of our listeners check this out as well, but friend of the pod, we can say that now, Peter Gould, uh, one time ate some yogurt on the pod, uh, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, we're on fresh air this week. And he didn't, to be clear, he asked us to stop recording. And then he ate yogurt. And then we kept recording. This was seven <laughs> years ago. Um, they were on fresh air this week. And they Peter Gould told an anecdote that I hadn't heard that maybe is very well known, which is there was a scene shot for Breaking Bad that he wrote that he was very, very proud of between Saul and Walt early in Saul's debut into the season, I guess in the third season, in which Saul talks about all of his ex-wives and what they meant to him and how he got rid of them and why he's not married and all of these details. And it was an absolute kill your darlings. It was cut for time. And both Bob and Peter were upset about that. And now they thank God every day that scene got cut (laughs) because, I mean, Better Call Saul the show would have been impossible, right? Or certainly yeah. the, the current version of it. So all that is to say that like they might, it's, at a certain point you have to let go. And I'm going to say something that I don't even know if I believe, which is that the idea, conception of movies as something that are slaved over and whittled away on and almost perfected makes me more sympathetic to wanting to go back and get those things right. But I also 
want Han to shoot first. So I'm kind of arguing against myself by creating this binary. Where where are you on this? So I I think that things have changed a lot in the last... I think things have changed a lot. Let's just use our podcasting career as a, mm-hmm. a good like framework. When you and I were first starting to do this with Hollywood Prospectus back in the Grantland days, typically what would happen is like TV either existed in a world of transience, like you had to sit down and watch it when it was on, or... Yeah, you could DVR or whatever, but you you watched it when it was on, or you bought or rented the DVDs after the season had been out and over for a long time. That's how I watched Lost. That's how I watched Twenty Four. <laughs> or, or you got them from Netflix, which or is you, in a whole or other. Or you would order them it. from Netflix. Exactly. Yeah. Netflix comes in, kind of changes the paradigm of how television is consumed, both in terms of like, you know, you have all these seasons stacked on top of each other that you can either flit around and watch in whatever order you want or binge in one weekend or watch over the court, whatever it is. But it's also always there. So mm-hmm. this show is always going to be existing there. And I guess the reason why I wanted to ask you about this was that it's not so much. I, I think that there's this really interesting invisible ethical line that may have been why this Stranger Things Twitter account from their writer's room sort of forcefully responded because there's almost mm-hmm. this idea that you were changing uh, either misdeeds or sins of characters who have since become beloved or have since become... Because, you know, Jonathan goes on to date Nancy. So I think but people... Mm-hmm. What the idea was here was that, like, look at this dude being a creep. And it's like, well, and now he's this, this woman's boyfriend that you go back and tweak it so that their love story has less edges. Now yes. that's just fundamentally doesn't seem that's not true. I honestly don't remember. I watched the a little bit of the episode today, but it looked exactly the way it looked and obviously they're saying that that's not the case and people have retracted their articles. My point is I understand why it would be like, hey, you can't go back and pretend like season 2 of Friday Night Lights didn't happen. But there is a part of me that's kind of like but wouldn't it be interesting if you did? Sure, it'd be interesting. But it also, it, it's interesting you bring up Friday Night Lights because a season that you just kind of want to take a mulligan on doesn't really exist anymore in the streaming no. era. That's the, it, it, both because you can't do it. You don't get another chance if you make a mistake like that. But also that storyline is a product of people who made something beautiful in season one being like, oh boy, we got to stretch. We got to right. keep fiddling, you know? So it's an interesting argument, but I don't, I don't even know how relevant that aspect of it is anymore. But I also, I just, I don't think this is speaking to the stranger things of it as much as it is just an argument for figuring it out to a degree as you go along. I mean, a lot of this fixing comes from a very natural obsession with control that all creators have, and you have more and more opportunities to exert that control. And we point to George Lucas as the example of it because he kept fiddling with the original trilogy. And, you know, some some advances were technological and that made sense, but others were character-based, like Han and Greedo. But one of the things that makes that original trilogy so good, right, is because, or at least so interesting, is you see it develop in real time. Not just that the first one in some ways might be the best one because he didn't have the budget to do some of the stuff he could do in the second and third, let alone the prequels. So it was the most grounded and character-based because you know if he could have done like a full cartoon world, he would have done it right away as opposed to just like Luke wanting to shoot Womp Rats. But Darth Vader isn't Luke's father in the first movie. He's not. Like they hadn't decided that yet. Luke and Leia are not brother and sister in the first movie. No, they are not. He hadn't figured that out yet. And they also, they make out at some point, right? (laughs) So like, 
that stuff is more organic. And I, I am a fan. This maybe sounds a little more Henry James than, you know, Streets of New York. But, like, I am a fan of watching this stuff, warts and all, develop into where it ends up. You know, it isn't, TV is an organic process that moves in one direction. And it's silly to, it, to me, I don't like the idea of going back. So let me ask you one more question in this regard, because mm-hmm. you brought up the whole Star Wars thing and the Lucas thing that the Han shot first is sort of the original, like, can you tweak something so that the original mythos of a, of a story mm-hmm. is, or the, like the sort of mythology around a story gets manipulated. I, I was thinking about like, what would I maybe be interested in seeing this practice applied to? Mm-hmm. And... You know, a while back, Topher Grace did that re-edit of the prequels, and I think fan edits of things are are somewhat popular on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, I, I sort of want to see somebody take a, a a run at something like Obi-Wan and be like, here's the three-part, three-hour miniseries version of this. I'm sure, I'm sure someone will. Yeah. I'm sure someone will. I mean, it's funny to, to even consider that framing, though, because there's a world where whittling a lumpy but well-intentioned three-hour movie into a dynamite 90-minute movie makes sense. And like yeah. you could, and it's not just makes sense. It's like, oh, woulda, coulda. Like if only that had existed in the world. But Obi-Wan was six hours, was it six hours? Well, I mean, six, six episodes. I think some, six episodes. Like, some were like almost an hour and some were like 35 minutes when you got through all the credits. But, but also the Walt Disney Corporation wanted six hours of content for its widget. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no version of it where it makes sense from conception as the shorter version once they decided that it was going to be TV and not a movie project. So that yeah. that kind of affects it as well. It's just funny. It's like the the idea of the director's cut necessarily means adding to. And yeah. sometimes I wonder if we should have the editor's cut that is taking Oh my from. God. The bro, oh, I mean, yeah, a million percent. I mean, it, I, I really do think that people would be just maybe almost on an academic level would be so interested to, if they could ever see, for example, a, the director's cut of a TV show. Because on TV, directors get first pass, they get a couple days in the edit, and then they're gone. They're not, unless they're a producer or, you know, or some otherwise credited on the show. They do their work. This is what they see. This is their assemblage. And then they go. And then the showrunner goes in with the editor and maybe some other collaborators, and they work on it until they want it. And there's often the directors are like, I had nothing to do with that. Um, Movies are very much a different story. It would be super fun to have a side-by-side of a director's cut of a TV pilot and a writer's cut of a movie, which would be wild. wild Ironically, it's like, it's funny that the Duffers are the ones kind of getting, who who are under the microscope at this, because they would be the last people I'd, I would ever like surreptitiously accuse of like tweaking. I mean, like they're the last two episodes of stranger things. It was a five hour runtime. So you guys, they're not really going around like pruning things. Also, no creator is just like, ah, I had exactly the right amount of time. No one thinks they have right. enough time ever. That said, it's hard to imagine a show that seemingly has more runway in terms of like, we're going to take an extra year or six months, or we're going to shoot in this town for a while. Like they, it, not the first season maybe, which is at issue here, but they seem to have a lot of, a lot of resources. By the way, before we change subjects, I just don't know if, if your average run-of-the-mill watchheads are aware uh, of your vibrant podcasting life outside of the show. And this week's episode—that would episode be pretty funny picture, if they weren't. If they were just like, so this guy's well, on another pod. <laughs> but maybe they're not checking like episode to episode. And I just want to say that like this week's big picture is the 1987 movie draft, and it's already a must-listen because it's you and Sean and Amanda, but it's also Quentin Tarantino and Roger. You're Avery such a little sweetheart. Thank you. It's awesome, but also like I can't. 
I say this every time you do this. It's just there are certain benchmarks where I'm just like, I kind of can't believe this is real. And so having known you for 25 years that like you just podcast with Quentin Tarantino sometimes. That's so weird. That's awesome. Weird. It's so weird that it definitely gets in my head. I was telling Sean this the other day or after we did it, but I was like, because I went third. So Roger yeah. went first, then Quentin, then me. By the way, he sure did. Yeah. It's one of the weirdest opening <laughs> pitches of a podcast I've ever heard by Roger Avery. So. And uh, I was like, you know, they picked their first two. I think Roger took Robocop and Quentin took Evil Dead too. So I had like quite an open field to choose from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, I should pick Full Metal Jacket. I should pick Full Metal Jacket. I should pick Full Metal Jacket. And I was just like, I don't know if I can handle Quentin Tarantino calling me a normie. Like if I pick if I pick Full Metal Jacket and yeah. for some reason he was like, that movie sucks. So I was just like, I know he's going to like Raising Arizona and I love Raising Arizona and I need a comedy. So I went with it and I was glad I took it where I took it. But there was like true, like the yips right before I said it. It's wild. Even it's Sean wild. on the pod is like, you seem a little twitchy over there. I'm like, cause I'm pricking myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So that was awesome. So check that out. Big picture feed. Um, Thanks, man. Okay, so now we have one, we have one other piece of business. Oh yeah, well we, we were going to gonna do France, a little Daddington, right? you know. Oh yeah, just so guys, it's Daddington, but it's also Friendington. It's Uncle um, Uncleton too. I was, uh, yeah, you know, like to the Uncle extent Chris. that I was a participant. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just wanted to hit people to the fact that there is a movie out right now. In I don't, it's an A twenty four film. It's not in like limited release. I saw the movie theater. Um, it's called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. It is the film version of what was a. I think, beloved internet viral sensation a few years ago. It was a collaboration between then-married couple um, Jenny Slate, who you know is an actor from Saturday Night Live, a comedian, and Dean Fleischer Camp, who directed it and does the animation. And very charming, very sweet little short. I think they made a children's book. I wasn't checking. I wasn't like, when's the film dropping? You know, like, yeah. I wasn't like a, a, a super shellhead going in. But it's been very hot in Los Angeles, as it has been throughout the country. And I was like, I'd like to take my children to an air-conditioned room for a while. And we went to see this movie, and it is absolutely enchanting. And I think really, really special and and moving and surprising. And I want to bring you into this, because I told you it was good. And then you went with your wife, which was wonderful that you went to see it. Very similar reasons I needed to put my wife in an air-conditioned room for a while. (laughs) It was really hot. But I got to say, like, I had taken the girls to see the Minions film two weeks before. Yeah. And I, I would say that it was a, a traumatic act of violence upon me. I hope they're okay. Uh, and I do not mean any disrespect towards the many people who both ironically and unironically love the Universal <laughs> Film franchise Minions. Like, I'm uh-huh. sure it brings joy to a lot of people. And the Minions themselves and the physical comedy, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But, like, we went with friends, and those friends bought brought those same, like, giant protective earmuff headphones that you see like the children of rock stars bring to Lollapalooza yeah, when, for their like, children. The kids who of the kids of the killers are sitting side of the stage. <laughs> yes. I, I don't understand just the the freneticism and like visual violence of this movie, like really what it's for. And it sometimes makes you wonder if we, you know, deserve the democracy dying <laughs> around us. I it's just just I'm just gonna throw that out there. It just makes me wonder. To contrast that I watch their faces in this movie that doesn't even begin the way movies begin. You know, it is so enchanting and entrancing and rhythmically different and it's just little talking and it's very sweet. And they were beguiled. They were transported. And I just thought that was really, I don't know, I, as a parent, that meant a lot to me. But the movie also is just killer. I mean, Isabella Rossellini voices Marcel's grandmother and to hammer blow of emotion. 
I mean, right. It really surprised me. It's one. I just would say to people who aren't familiar with uh, the viral videos or the YouTube videos that the Dean Fleischer camp and Jenny Slate made before or don't really know anything about this. And I was kind of like, I'm up for this, but I was also like, just I'll go see anything right now. It's a really, really inventive movie. It's basically framed as a documentary that Dean Fleischer camp is making Mm -hmm. after he has had a breakup and he moves into an Airbnb where Marcel is and decides to do a doc about this shell that has talks and has a life and has like a family and everything. And it becomes this like whole thing about reuniting Marcel with his family. And I found it to be a pretty like engaging and gripping story. Like as like they move through it. I mean, there's like there, it's incredibly twee and incredibly cute and incredibly like sweet and, and, and all those things that I think would be appealing for a kid. But it just even as like, oh, this is like a really, really cool way of framing this story. Because I was like, how are they going to do this? Like outside of like the cool Jenny yeah. Slate voice. Like I'm not really sure what the story would be. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really enjoyable. And it's moving on a meta level too, because they were a couple when they made the shorts. They uh, separate, they divorced, but they still collaborated on this together. And that's kind of baked into the emotional language of the film. And I don't know. I just like from my soapbox, which is set up in the collapsing sands of Daddington Island. I would just say that like it's. Why just is it collapsing? A, What's going on? Is the is there is there beach erosion? What I mean, sand is not traditionally the most stable thing to build stuff on. Like 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 childhood, if you will. Um, just to say, <laughs> hold on. I need to call my real part of the podcast. Guy. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> yeah, one second. One of the things we do on like on on the adult peninsula where we spend most of our life on this podcast is being like. Can we please have in entertainment things of different colors and shades yeah. and you know emotional and volume and all senses and this idea that what what all kids entertainment should be is noisy and shiny and violent literally or otherwise and also just like clever all the time in a very self-referential let's let the parents laugh every 10 lines too in case their movie theater doesn't serve beer like that whole thing it's just such a bummer and disservice to kids' very creative and discerning minds. And so you throw in a Bluey, you throw in a Miyazaki film, you get something like this, and it just rewires them a little bit in a way that is healthy. And I was pleased for that. You won't be throwing in Nope, though. I I really wanted to have Nope watch. I thought Nope was great. Today. I, I'm I really, really excited to see it. I had a really... I, it's it, beyond like whether or not there was like some pacing issues for me in Nope or... Some stuff like it was so refreshing to be engaged in that like part of my brain again, where I was just like, not like, what does this mean? Like I'm solving it because there's an Easter egg that explains Mm -hmm. it. But what does, what was he trying to say with this movie? And man, it's like, it's, it, there's like him and Nolan and a couple of other people who, who still do that on a mass level. I, if you haven't seen no people should go check it out. And I really, really encourage you to see it on the biggest screen possible. I'm going to go see it. I feel terrible that I haven't seen it yet. I wanted to see it before we recorded today. Um, but, you know, I had to, I just like, I just had to get VEP done. You know what I mean? VEP was calling. <laughs> That's right. Can I, can I just say? You get to test we, positive for COVEP. <laughs> wow. We should just stop now, but I am going to push forward because I'm a professional. Um, just to say, this conversation with Olivia Asayas does have some spoilers for the television show Irma Vep. I don't know if that matters. I don't think it's a spoiler-driven thing. I also wanted people to know that because I am a Asayas head, I really wanted to talk about all of his movies. And he is so thoughtful and opinionated and articulate that I think I asked four questions so that turned into other things. So, so if people were like, boy, Andy's really going to like put the screws on him about clean, 
you know, or about like Clouds of Sils Maria or Personal Shopper or Kristen Stewart in general. Uh, nope. Sorry, this wasn't the conversation for that. It really was about the TV adaptation of Irma Vep. And also, at one point, I did ask him what film is, which, you know, that's, that's a 10-minute answer. Yeah. So I, I thought he was wonderful. And I really just want to reiterate that the show itself has some, like, pacing issues, potentially, but it doesn't really matter because it is, it's really a joyful thing. And it, there's some very profound stuff that I, I did, we, we comes up in the interview, but I found really profound just about, like, the hard part in art is showing the light, not the darkness. And uh, that's a message that I want the people who make minions to understand too. <laughs> so there we go. We're getting into Andy's end of interview. Uh, thanks to Kai McMullen for producing us. And we'll be back on Monday evening with our response to the latest episode of Better Call Saul. And we'll have some industry stuff and reservation stuff, uh, reservation dog stuff next week. Thanks for listening. Merci beaucoup, mes amis. Les Berenski. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now I am beyond thrilled and honored to be joined by one of my favorite filmmakers, um, the filmmaker behind uh, Summer Hours, Personal Shopper, Nonfiction, Carlos, countless others, and also 1996's Irma Vep, which has now been remade by my guest as an eight-part HBO miniseries, which just concluded. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be joined by Olivier Asayas. Welcome to The Watch. Thank you for joining me. Uh, it's a real honor. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, where are you speaking to me from today? Uh, I am uh, I am on, on a well deserved holiday. In, Agreed, uh, well deserved in uh, in Tuscany. Oh, how lovely! And yet here you are still having to do the promotion. So I appreciate yeah, taking yeah, the time. Well, oh, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's uh, the, the 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 last the last episode was just approved yesterday by uh, by HBO. Oh, I, I, oh my I goodness! So so I have to kind of supervise from afar uh, some some stuff. So yeah, that's interesting because one of the the 
storylines of Ermavep is that it is very difficult for directors to manage things from afar. So I appreciate you, uh, your, <laughs> the struggle yeah, that no, must contain. At this point, it's very, it's very technical. I mean, I, I, I stayed, I stayed in Paris and, uh, and made, made sure everything was, uh, was, was finished and done. But behind that, you have a lot of technical work. Getting into the adaptation, the remake, I'm not sure what you prefer to call it. Um, I did revisit the film, which I love very much. And I was really struck by how the 1996 film of Irma Vep really begins with the question. I think a character actually voices the question. Why do we keep repeating ourselves? Why do yes. we keep telling the same stories? Um, and this is before you had the personal opportunity to do that, to do exactly. that yourself. And I, I, I found over the course of the eight episodes, what was so brilliant and striking about the, the series is that uh, and I don't mean to presume, I'd love to hear your version of it, but for me, it felt like you had come up with an answer, um, mm. that we continue to chase uh, rabbits down the same holes uh, in search of something more profound, in search of a deeper meaning, in search of happiness or or a, a connection. It's, um, yes, I, I, that's more or less the way I would phrase it, because it's, uh, but, but it's, 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 it's very intimate. Also, you know, it's um, when when to go back in time when I wrote the MFAP in nine days at the time, uh, it was it was because I had time on my hand because I had another bigger project that had been pushed back. So I thought, why not make a small indie, tiny indie film? You know, and 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 I sat down and I, and and I and I wrote it and I wrote it really fast and I had fun and it was like the first time I was writing something that had some kind of comedy tone to 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 it. The the, the other movies were more serious, and uh, and and there was something very pleasurable about, about it. I had no idea what it was. It was very different from anything you would that would come out of French cinema at that period, you know, I thought, I thought who is going to take me seriously, who will be interested by this. And, you know, and then I was right to ask myself the question because the answer was nobody, you know, <laughs> I mean, nobody wanted this film. I mean, they, they, we, and we ended up shooting it in four weeks. The crew was only paid three weeks. Uh, and they, they, you know, the fourth week was depending on if we would see if we would be selling the film or not. Uh, we they were, I, you know, I reassure you, they were paid. In, <laughs> but, but, but still, you know, it, 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 it was super minimal. I was having fun. I had no idea what, what I was doing. You know, I had no idea that, A, this movie will all of a sudden make myself recognized, you know, in, in, or, you know, people that a lot of, uh, of the international press became aware of my work through that, through that, through that film that I would end up marrying the lead, uh, whom I had briefly met before, but, uh, very briefly, uh, and, uh, or that I would just touch something that was so close to the bone in terms of my relationship to cinema, to what has always attracted me to cinema, which is part very serious and deep and committed. And at the same time, to me, uh, 
there it's movie making is also about having fun and, and 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 enjoying yourself and that's what i dislike the most about the industry because a lot of your the movies that are made within the industry are just like dead serious and made with people who are scared for their jobs who are scared for this who are scared for that and and and, and i think uh, movies is for bad boys the movies is for kids and movies are about having fun if you don't have fun making making movies you know it's it's uh it it it's it's do something else you know it's like it's you 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 what you yeah i mean as much as i'm i'm very concentrated focus kind of hardworking in many ways uh, when i'm making my movies i just like the idea that people around me on the set um are enjoying what they are doing that they are proud of what they are doing and that they contribute and 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 their contribution is recognized and i always do recognize recognize the contribution of people the people i work with because cinema is a collective art so it's a, it's a, it's a, you know to to to, to me uh, to me the original Yamavep touched on something that was much deeper than what I initially thought and it stayed with me and it became for me very much part of the process of cinema. Your answer, which I love so much, reminds me of a line that I, I want to adopt as a mantra from the finale, which is that it is it is much more difficult to turn towards the light than to darkness, and I feel like that's something that many. Yes people forget when they make prestige television or heavy movies or exactly i mean that's uh, ultimately it's the i mean you know it's it, it where it all leads to it wait it, it's where it all leads to so when it became time to revisit something that had such a surprising and profound effect on your life and your art um was it inevitable that this uh revisitation would involve so much of yourself, so much of your own personal well, story. Yes, yes, it was. It was. I, 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 I'm not sure I, uh, how aware I was uh, of it when I started working on it. Um, uh, because I liked the idea, when, when I started working on it, I liked the idea of customizing my own my own movies and trying to turn them into something else but ultimately uh, I in very early nonetheless in the process I I understood that when I am I mean what I have been telling is in the original film and both in the new one is that there is that Movie characters are a little bit more than what we think they are. They are presences who try, and and spe specifically someone like Emma Vep with this kind of archetypal cat burglar with the with with with, with 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 the cat suit. You find her in so many movies. You know, she kind of uh, it's it, she she's she's kind of she's kind of the character who connects uh, the early cinema silent films and superhero it's 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 and 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 why does she embody at that point something that is beyond time that is outside of time and kind of uh, continues to fascinate us it's 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 it's, it's ultimately a, a very um interesting story it's it, 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 it's 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 a 
It's a very exciting and cinematographic question. But what I did not realize is that I had myself become part of it because, because I was the one who revived the MFAP at some mm-hmm. at this, at specific mo- moment. Uh, it's, uh, and, and, and the MFAP uh, became part of my life. So when I, when, when, when I start looking back on the character of MFAP, even even if I, even if I go as far as Musidora, who is the, who was the original actress, actress, I am part of the narrative. I am the guy who revived Le Vampire in ninety six and 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 got married with, with with the actress and got divorced from the actress, and you, you know it's so all of a sudden. It, it's 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 very close to the bone, and 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 I I did not imagine that ultimately the movie will include uh, the dialogue that never happened between my ex-wife and myself. Uh, I had no idea that the it's instead of me. Uh, questioning the film, the film would start questioning me. You know, mm. I mean, like you, you are you you are telling the story of Imavep. Well, sorry, guy, you 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 have to you 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 have to to put some of yourself into it, and much more than what you believe. Well, there's a there's a, a an undercurrent through the film of submission and domination, and people have fun with it, and people are watching the daily saying, "Oh, this is hot," you know, and there's and that's all part of it, but. I thought of it in response to your answer only because it sounds like you had to submit as well to a degree to the, to the project, to the process in a way that may, I don't know if that was uncomfortable for you or it just felt natural because it's part of the artistic process you believe in. You know, it's, it's, uh, there is uh, the, a couple a couple of the scenes that with uh, uh, René Vidal and his, uh, and his therapist that kind of <laughs> give you a, a kind of an answer to that question, sort of an answer to that question. Um, it's, uh, um, no, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, uh but what 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 your your question is relevant, but I have to answer it in a slightly in 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 you know slightly off way, please, uh, because it's uh, um, sometimes something comes up as a job, you know. Would you do this? Would you do that? We have this screenplay. Why don't you? We or you, we 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 would like to do something. So, and 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 you feel that oh, if I if I do that, I will feel like a director for hire or whatever. I, I will I will not feel comfortable. I need to be I I need to be in control. I need to, I I need to own whatever I'm what I what I'm doing. And 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 uh, so I was a little. Not I was never reluctant because I always felt that I was working with the best possible people, meaning the guys from A24, uh, HBO, HBO, Francesca Orsi. You know, they are, they are, they are, they are, those guys are, are are the best. I mean, you know. So so, but 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 still, you know, it's another system. It's another culture. I had mm-hmm. never really made an American film with an American production and blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I was a little nervous about, uh, uh, slightly nervous about it. But when I got to the process of writing and when I got into the process of shooting, of making the film, I felt 
that I had no reason to be scared. I had no reason to be intimidated. I had no reason to have doubts. Uh, because ultimately what they were giving me is something I read, I never really had, which was like eight hours of complete freedom to tell a crazy story. You know, it's, 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 uh, uh, I would never had a similar budget and, and, and that much time to tell this movie. So in, 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 in the context of, of the film industry. So I ultimately, it was TV, yes. It functioned slightly differently from what I'm used to, yes. But at the same time, what it's giving me, it's giving me is like way beyond uh, what, what I had in, 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 my, in my previous film. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, again, I mean, we were discussing about how intimate this was. And all of a sudden, I'm, I have eight hours where, where, where I get, where, 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 and, and I can go wherever my imagination, my imagination takes me. And I have people there who kind of, you know, who sometimes they tell me, are you sure you're not going in the wrong way? Or are you sure? But, but always, you know, I mean, they, they kind of, you know, helped me once in a while focus and uh, uh, once in a while uh, precise this or that, or just uh, you know, just give, give give me common sense observations uh, on 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 the narrative. I mean, you know, stuff that you do in movies and that happen in movies. But 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 the process, because the process is much longer in movies, you 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 don't need to have that kind of conversation here. The process was like super fast. That was the the really the one tough part. I mean, you know, I had to work. It was I had to work really hard, really fast for a very long time. So, you know, that's, that's why I'm saying that I'm, <laughs> I'm happy yes. I'm on holiday now. <laughs> but because, because it was like two years of really, really badly tough work. I want to ask you about the two fantastic leads that you have in the series. Since you're speaking about your own role in the narrative, I should ask about Vincent McKen, who is a wonderful actor and director in his own right and, and starred in a recent film of yours that I adored, nonfiction. Mm. He is playing Rene Vidal. Um, he has many of the the scenes that you're referring to as somewhat similar to your own experience, whether it's speaking to the, the ghost, the presence of his ex, whether it's speaking to the therapist. What was your relationship like with your uh, double, if you will? Um, do you have occasional homicidal tendencies on set? Did you <laughs> no, watch him no, studying I... you at times to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to pay tribute to your own mannerisms? No, no, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a nice person. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm a nice person. I'm, 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 uh, I, I'm you know, I have a, I'm a very uh, well-behaved uh, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm I like people to be happy on my set, so I don't have tantrums or whatever. You know, it's it's. it's I'm, I'm I, I like people to be to to enjoy uh, what they're doing. But I, yes, I am having. I'm, but, but I'm having fun with the character of René Vidal because part of him is me, of course. Not. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 like the nice version, but still, right. you know this evil me <laughs> René Vidal is the evil me uh, and um, and 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 also I think it's a, it's a collaboration with Vincent McCain I think that Vincent has brought 
so much to the part. I mean, he's just such a he's a he's a he's a great director. He's I mean I mean he's I mean his stage work is spectacular, uh, and and it's a pity now he's kind of uh, chosen. I mean he's 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 not he's not writing and directing much because because he's so he's doing so well as 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 as, as, as an actor, uh, but. Um, the thing, it, but 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 I think it's a part that had to be played by someone who has an experience of creation mm. and who has an experience eventually of the complexities of of. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm not t- talking about uh, depression or whatever, but at least, but uh, but but at least the pains, the pains of of of. of of creations, the doubts, uh, the, the 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 insecurities, uh, and 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 uh, Vincent is not only a great actor, but I think he understands deeply what this character is and what is mm-hmm. exactly going on because he went through similar things himself. So in, in so in many ways, uh, René Vidal is halfway between us. I, uh, I would I, I would I would say and and uh, but and but but I think that uh, because he understood what I was saying and how I was saying it, he encouraged me to go further. You know, mm. there's a lot of things that he tried. I mean, he tried stuff that was like that when I was watching it. Said, "Oh, come on, Vincent, you're you. This is really like over the top." I mean, like I would say to Lars Seidinger also once in a while. I mean, Lars, are you sure what you're doing right now? You know, uh, but 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 ultimately they were right. They were right. I mean, once in a while, especially when you have this kind of really long narrative, once in a while it has to blow up, and it it was to and it has to blow up in a kid crazy way. And we instinctively felt it, and I instinctively instinctively felt that they were right. So we we kept a lot of the, the crazy moments. You mentioned Lars Eitinger as Gottfried as one of my favorite performances in in recent memory. He <laughs> he plays the he's the charming crack addict. Um, (laughs) he, he, his performance is, as you said, it's so out there, it's so beautiful, but he also becomes this really incredible avatar for something that I now know from our brief conversation is so important to you, which is the magic of the temporary community of a film set, you know, which, which having, having made a TV show myself, like that is the joy you it's, you know, here it's called, you know, it's summer camp. You're with people and you're making something for this burning bright flame amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and and he's such a wonderful avatar for that because you would never want to spend a life with Gottfried, let alone no. two months. <laughs> but for this period, it's a different uh, a different energy. He brings he brings he brings he brings he brings something that's vital and that no one else would would bring. And 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 and, and especially he brings something that you know that uh, I was uh, very, very much influenced by, which is uh, which is nineteen uh, seventies German films for, mm-hmm. of, of uh, Fassbinder. I mean, he he brings Fassbinder. I mean, you know what? One, one, one. What, what, I, I cut it out. I cut it out. But there was a whole monologue on 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 Fassbinder that we, we we shot that was very important to me. But at some point, it just became too abstract, and you know, and there was no space for that. But ultimately. Uh, 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 Gottfried is an homage to, to Fassbinder in many, in many ways. He's wonderful. And of course, the, the, the lead of the piece is Alicia Vikander as Mira. And I, I wanted to ask you about my journey with the character, which, was to say, which is to say that knowing how much this series was about the movie and about the world of filmmaking as it exists, more or less, for all of us at the moment, my first thought was, is she 
playing Kristen Stewart, your frequent collaborator? Is this an homage to Kristen? Was Kristen, did Kristen drop out of the project? And then in the finale, Kristen shows up, which is the perfect ribbon on it. But I, I, I guess somewhere in there is a question about why Mira, why Hollywood, and why this version of an actor in 2022 playing Irma Vep? Well, well, first, first, because I don't think, I mean, when I made uh, Irma Vep, uh, I thought that the vitality, the energy of filmmaking was in, in was it was in, uh, in Hong Kong. You know, I, 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 I uh, when, when, when I, when I, um, uh, you know, when I I, re- I was friends with with Wong Kar Wai, with Christopher Doyle, I mean, with all those guys, and uh, and uh, you know, I mean, they would do those kind of punk rock things of shoot, you know, I mean, Chris would be shooting handheld and he would turn the the the, the switch of the camera on and off uh, at random moments, you know, I mean, they, 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 they would do they would really just doing crazy things that no one in cinema was doing at the time, and. And uh, um, so I thought I, I, I thought I like the idea of connecting the story of independent French filmmaking with uh, with Hong Kong, with, 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 with Hong Kong cinema. I, I, I like the idea to 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 have Maggie Chung and Jean-Pierre Léo in the in, in the in the in the in the same scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, I don't think I could make it again. With with, with 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 Chinese cinema because Chinese this cinema is in a completely different place now and uh, and I, I I genuinely I mean it's because of the censorship it's because of many reasons uh, the uh, the the cinema the the, the the Chinese cinema is not bringing to world cinema the kind of energy it used to bring and uh, or, or or whatever it brings is known and relevant and recognized and doesn't need me to, uh, to, 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 to explore. So, and, and again, I mean, you know, I, 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 the, 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 the to, to me making Irmavep again had made sense in the same way as, uh, you work twice on the same play. You know, you 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 have a play, and you and you have a very good version with the perfect cast. And ten years later, fifteen years later, twenty years later, you do the same. You do the same play, but you will want to do it with a completely different cast. You you will want it to to, to do it with completely completely different actors and have a completely different perspective. So so uh, to, to me, making this new version of Irma of, of Irma Vep, the important thing was. To be sure that I had the right Yamavap, and 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 to so so that's why Alicia has been involved since day one. I mean, since before day one. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, we met, we liked each other very much. There was no specific idea of making uh, uh, of, of making anything together. But when I started thinking about uh, about 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 Yamavap, said, oh. Well, if I'm making him a vep, I think the right person would be Alicia because she has this kind of candor. She has she she's she's she 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 has this kind of innocence, and then she, she's so tough, she's so powerful, she's so she has such a broad range, which is not which is something people are not aware of usually. I mean, you know, it's a because she 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 hasn't had a chance to show so many sides of 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 of, of, of her personality uh, before in my web. So here here we in, in in so I I so I thought it was exciting because because she I knew she could be funny she could be 
profound. She could be uh, crazy. Uh, she could. She, she. She. And 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 she. She and she. She. She has this kind of extraordinary way of moving, which has to do with her uh, history as a ballet dancer. I mean, she. She was. She. 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 She was a dancer before she was an actress, and 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 it shows. It's it's something mm-hmm. that's constantly present. I mean, you know, it's it's it, 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 when, when when you're shooting the scene, it's just so important to have actors who know what to do with their body, how to position their body, and and I knew it's, it's something. You know, usually I had no idea. I mean, I, I kind of uh, figure out how I'm going to shoot scenes in the morning before I come to the set, and but I kind of discuss. I take. I mean, I take an hour every morning to do that. So it's kind of precise and so on and so forth. But the the one thing I don't know is how the actors will move, how they will, how, when, when they will, especially in a movie, especially in a series, because obviously there's a lot of dialogue. So it means that you, you are going to shoot a lot of people sitting up, standing up, sitting down, standing up, moving from this, from point A to point B and this and that. And so you need some, you, especially when you're doing something that's very tall, Talkative, that's that uh, the verbos or whatever. Uh, you 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 need someone who has who can give who can give flesh to 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 the to 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 to, to those ideas. Who can understand the right movement coming with the right idea and the right uh, at, 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 at the, the right spot. And, and 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 she 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 has all of that. And and, and it's and it's very rare. She's wonderful. And 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 grows and changes over the course of the hours, which I appreciated um, mm. in her performance. So I, I have a, a perhaps unwieldy or large question, um, but it comes from this idea of the role of the Hollywood star in, uh, in, within the show. And um, I mean, one thing that I admired so much about the series and indeed all your work is that it is never mean-spirited. So that when Herman, who does the blockbuster films, comes, he's respectful. He has his own style. But he doesn't disrupt. He is a part of the creative community. And Mira works in these movies that maybe leave her feeling a certain way, but she still has this desire to be creative and it it, it moves her. I, I, because you are uh, one of my favorite filmmakers, but also a, a student and scholar of filmmaking, I wanted to get your perspective on... This is a tough question. This is a big question. What are movies right now? And the reason I ask that is not because... Irmavep has been revisited as an eight episode. It will, you know, yeah. will be called a TV series. And Rene Vidal has the joke about, you know, well, no, no, it's a movie. There's just little breaks. <laughs> um, but, and, and I, I, I fold this into the question, not to get you a, a gotcha quote, but I, I am curious because the, uh, the same day that I finished Irmavep, I went to see the new Thor movie and no mm. one was castrated. Like they are in your <laughs> fictional Thor movie, unfortunately, but regardless of whether I thought it was good, I don't know what it was because the, the assignment was so complicated that Taika has to tell stories in five directions at once. He has to tell the past story that we haven't seen and set up a future movie and bring something in. And it's a different, it, it feels like, it doesn't feel like what I thought a movie was, it, what a movie is now. No, it's, no, because, no, because you know, it's just that, that, that now it's both complex and simple. Uh, the industry has taken over. It, it, it genuinely has. I mean, it's a fact of life. Uh, so what does the industry want? The industry wants uh, movies that can generate profit 
with the minimum risks. And what is the mini what minimizes the risks is creating brands. So so you so you you yes you do spend money on making a film and and money is not the issue. You have it's it's unlimited. You 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 can you can you 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 can use as much as you can as you want, as long as there is potential for a sequel, a spin-off, a reboot, whatever you call it, and and it will go on for years. And so to so to have and and all of a sudden, that's the kind of Marvel Universe thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the star is the superhero. It's not the actor. The actor can be changed. You, you know, is disposable. You, you, the, 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 the actor or the actress are disposable. They, they you know, they, they all of a sudden it's it's a reboot. It's you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, so so out the old actor in the new actor, uh, and. Um, it's uh, so there is that's kind of industrial filmmaking, you know. There's a, there's an industrial logic to to, to it, mm-hmm. uh, and and why spend a lot of mon- money, lot of money, lots of money, eventually on something that uh, doesn't have that potential? Because 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 if if in ca- in case it bombs, you lose you 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 lose everything but that's part of the deal uh but if it's successful it doesn't have a potential to do a sequel mm-hmm. so you 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 so you you won't make be, be making uh, the kind of money you you would be making if you you would you won't be able to benefit from the success of your own film right at least not enough but not on the range that's it. so so uh, now what's happening is that you have less and less movies and more more and more franchises and 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 the studios want and the studios and everybody they 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 they, they, they want franchises so it's 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 so it's a different so it's a it's very it's a very different world and on on and and, and on the other side you have uh, indie filmmaking which is very dependent on the theaters, which is in trouble because yeah. because 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 the the the, the platforms are not that interested in them uh, unless they are very prestige or this and that. But we're not talking that. We're talking about the average indie movie by a young mm-hmm. filmmaker who eventually will make his first, uh, you know, his first film or his second film. Um, and those movies have been the most affected by the loss of viewers during the pandemic and we're still in the pandemic technically you know i mean whatever whatever perspective you use on it it's a fact that we are in a period of of pandemic right now as we're talking so so uh, i i don't think that's over yet i don't think that the movie that that the audience of those movies has completely come back so they are in a tough position to to get finance but because before before i'm talking 10 years ago i'm talking whatever i'm talking history of cinema i'm talking you 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 were an indie director you made a movie you you, all of a sudden you could you could expand your vision uh in 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 a more in in a studio movie that you know you would have to deal with a lot of bullshit and with with a lot of bad people once it was like uh, but also with very good people uh and uh 
you, you, but, but, but in the end, you would be making a movie. You, 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 you would, would not have to deal with uh, uh, use a little bit of this, a little bit of that, because we have, there was this, there's this sequel, that sequel, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's another job. So, 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 so um, you know, again, I mean, I'm, I'm not even beginning to answer your question, but it's, it's, it's because, uh, because it's extremely co co complex. I mean, we at, at this point, we don't know if we what exactly is a movie, where it's supposed to be shown, how it's supposed to be yes. shown. You know, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I've, I've been making this series, and I get figures like, like um, 1.3 million people have been watching like the first episode. Okay, um, you know, it's a, but but I have no idea. I mean, my, between my friends. I have no idea who has seen it, who has not mm -hmm. seen it, who ha actually has an HBO Max uh, 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 um, um, uh, uh, subscription or not, or if they've seen it on some uh, French platform who's also showing it, or if you now mm -hmm. I'm in Italy, I have no idea where it's showing it. You know, it's 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 it, you, you, we, we 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 are in a completely different world. We are in a, in, a, in a new world, and I have no and. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I could go on, on, on and on about this, you know, I mean, you know, just take the Irishman. I saw the, I, I saw the army Irishman, amazing film. I watched it on my TV yeah. because I had yeah. no idea where I could see it anywhere else and, and, and any other way. And I think that when, when, when Scorsese, who was obviously a genius and a very smart man, uh, he, he knows that, well, in the future, when there will be a retrospective of his films, uh, one of his masterpieces will be the Irishman and it will be shown. But all of a sudden, those movies become change status. I mean, they have a weird status. They, have, they, 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 they are like in a strange limbo. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and I think that, and, 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 and also I, I'm saying that in a context where one thing that's not being taken into consideration is that people do have better and better home movie systems. Sure. So, so I think one factor is also that people are watching. I mean, there's a lot of people who are watching movies in at home in pretty decent conditions. I mean, and 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 we're not. I mean, and 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 a, a projector is not that expensive. You project on your white wall, and you have two, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, amplifiers, and you have, and, and 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 the film is on your phone. Uh, uh, you know, it's 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 so 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 it's it's uh, it's uh, it's not like big screen versus small screen. It's it's uh, I, I I mean I personally do have a home video. I, I'm happy and 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 I'm, and I'm often very happy to be to be watching, and I think I watch them. You know the way they should be watched. They could be watched. I prefer to be in a theater, but, uh, but it's, it's the, 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 the difference is narrowing. I, I think that I, one of the reasons I ask you that question is because when people ask me what my favorite genre film is, I often say, um, if I'm being honest, it's French people on vacation talking and summer hours is mm. one of my favorite films of all time <laughs> for that reason. And, you know, and I, and, and I, I feel I don't feel pessimistic because I still get to see wonderful things on whether it's called TV or whether it's movies. But I do feel that exactly. specifically, though, something like Summer Hours has a greater power to me because it is uh, contained. 
you know, and I say this as someone who works primarily in TV, but, but the idea that the talking thing is going to be all migrate to television, I think is wrong. No. And I, I hope for the future of this style of movie that you make nonfiction as well. No, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, I, 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 I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, to, 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 to me, the, 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 the model. I mean, is, is Eric Romer. Eric, mm -hmm. Eric yep. Romer has. Uh, uh, he, he. I mean, even late, his late movies. He was producing the films himself. Uh, he was shooting with no money because you don't need much money to do those movies. Uh, Sometimes when he did, needed more, more more money, he would go to Pate or, who, or whoever who would you know who somehow would would would, would, would support him because they knew that the, the movies would sell globally. Uh, I, you know, it's it's uh, uh, to to me, you know, the issue is freedom. Uh, what is when when you are free, it's fine. When you are not free, it's content. And uh, uh, and uh, and uh, I I don't want to do content. I don't. I want to do. I want to be free. I kind of you know. It's it's. Uh, otherwise, I would have already been making uh, Hollywood movies, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, coming off of this two-year experience, do you feel? Um... I guess this is a, as good a place to end as any, although I have many more questions. I hope we could speak again in the future. Um, I guess that my final question is just a sort of a temperature check on on you and, and your muse. You've had two years of intense work. You're on vacation. But I'm wondering, do you feel uh, as excited about what surprises may come as you have been in the past? Does the industry change have a discouraging effect on you? Or do you feel uh, like, are you a boat in the current? To, to me, the thing is, uh, to, to me, at, at this point, it's a little bit of a question mark because um, I have a screenplay, which is pretty much what you're, what you're saying, you know, which what you're describing, yeah. these people on holiday uh, talking uh, the during the pandemic. Uh, during the during the pandemic. So, so, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was kind of, uh, I, I wrote it during the during the confinement during the first confinement and uh, i i don't know i mean i, I i'm just I'm, I'm i'm giving myself a few weeks uh, perspective to decide if that's what i want to do because i'm just a little scared that there's a little bit too much of too much pandemic material around you know <laughs> and, uh, but 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 ultimately, uh, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty much uh, it's 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 halfway between uh, uh, between summer hours and uh, and and nonfiction. It's 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 like the it's it's like the the the, the real summer hours, meaning shot in in my actual place. I mean, I would like to buy real estate in the place between those two movies. So I think that sounds, <laughs> that, that, that sounds ideal. Um, Olivier, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, it's, it's an honor to speak with you. I think the series is so rewarding, you know, because it is, it, 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 it really builds in layers and delivers so much of what we've talked about in this conversation, but in ways that are continually surprising. And I just was very moved by the end, you know, the idea that, that, that you get to live in a dream and it dissipates and it, and it haunts you. And that's feeling of ghosts as a, a ghost story with a positive end, you know, that it, that it's good to be haunted in a way I found very, I, I just found that very profound and very moving, especially in the midst of whatever world we're living in. So thank you for that. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, 
I, I hope we, we get to meet in real person. Yes, life. please. I, when, this, when this movie is made, I hope we get to do it again. So thank you. And please enjoy your vacation and get back to it. <laughs> thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you.